Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. Uh, As you can see here, we have uh, some candles. We're going to do a seance and uh, bring the market back to green. So uh, if we all say green at the same time, three times, it's said that Jerome Powell will lower interest rates and the market's going to go up. Okay, I like this. So uh, just three times. Okay. Green. 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 Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Why oh, would you do that? Why did I do now that? The Mar- going down. Margin calls incoming. <laughs> Mortgages being collapsed. Hold on, oh, you guys. I have an idea, though. In order to make this work, we have to sacrifice Kevin. That's why he's not here. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez. So with that said, it's going to be a very interesting episode of Millennial Money. We're going to be talking about Tesla earnings, what's going on in the market today. The, uh, the Fed the Fed meeting that caused the market to go down after it was up. And uh, before we go into that, we got to thank our sponsor, FTX. I have a feeling you want to know where Kevin is. And uh, to do that, we're going to give him a call. He's See, in here. You. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, is that you? Let's give him a call. So, Kevin, welcome to Millennial Money. <laughs> where, where are you right now? podcast I'm, I'm dual podcasting right now it's a wow. crazy day you got the fed you got tesla i i'm just all over the place and now they're making me have tesla tequila shots so i'm sorry wow i thought you were at the doctors for a second uh because the market went down i wanted to uh, check yeah, into your you know, heart really your heart is okay but you know i have to say had i still been in all of my positions uh, I would have actually been down more right now, which is crazy to think about. That you could have a company like Tesla report these insanely good earnings. Margins go up despite the supply chain crises. Uh, this, now they're building a, the Optimus robot. I mean, they're just the insanity of how amazing Tesla is. And the 4680s are coming out soon. Uh, yet, yet the stock still has rotated slightly down in after hours. It dropped 5% when the earnings first came out, despite being a mega beat. Uh, you know, this market is such that everything that is news is bad news, and it sucks. Yeah. What's your plan going forward? I know you bought in a little bit this morning. A little bit. A little bit. $10 million this morning. You dabbled a little bit this morning. Um, why this Why this morning? Yeah. So, look, I, I was uh, – I would say I was – 75% confident that the Federal Reserve would uh, do three things. One, they would not uh, complete the taper. Two, they would not raise rates. And three, they would say that inflation concerns have gotten slightly better. I was right about two out of three of those. Unfortunately, the one I was wrong about was the bad one. They did not hike rates. They did not increase the pace of the taper. But the big F, the big L, I should say, out of every, every bit of it, 
was the fact that Jerome Powell said if he had to uh, make a comment about what inflation has done since December, which was their most bearish meeting ever, uh, certainly since 2008, uh, when, when I started reading all these, these uh, notes uh, and, and meeting minutes, uh, Jerome Powell said that inflation has actually gotten worse since December, and the stock market hated that. So yeah, man, I mean, right now it just feels like uh, you, you just you just can't beat the S&P 500 DCA and buy and hodl, man. It, it's crazy. Kevin, but you still, you, you said you're up technically $1.8 million and you're you're down 200 grand, right? And you're up 1.8. If Actually, you would have been down 1.8 had you not sold, correct? Yes, I would have been down two more had I wow. not sold. Uh, so, so, for example, had I held all of my positions, I would have been at a loss of $2 million more from Jeez. last week. Right I, now I'm down 200000 uh, maybe even a little bit more, like two fifty or something from last week. So it sucks. And I'll tell you, one of the things that, that majorly sucks is you, you can't trade or buy stocks like we did in 2020 or 21. You know, in 2020, you could buy any stock. In 2021, you could uh, hop on and basically just, uh, you know, find where the momentum was and you'd probably have a good two weeks out of it. Now you get you get like an hour of momentum and it's gone. It's, it's gotten rough. And you're taking capital gains into it after you sold everything? Wow, you still, yeah. that's so, amazing. Technically, you what, made the, wrong, the right move then. Well, one of the, uh, I do think so, one of the reasons that I sold everything, uh, and it was a small, it was more of a contributing reason, uh, because I did think that prices would continue to go down, uh, so that's the bet I made. But one of the big things uh, that I saw was, I've always felt stuck with all these Tesla gains, and I'm like, ah, how can I wash these? And so I had a lot of losses, unfortunately, on Matterport and Robinhood short-term. I do think those are going to be short-term and that those will rotate back to the upside. But I saw an opportunity to take essentially those losses and, and wash a chunk of those Tesla gains out uh, to where it brought my, my gains down for, for tax implications. Uh, you know, but, but then again, in hindsight, I'm just like, well, dang, I should have just put all my money into Tesla and never even bothered with, with like the other companies, you know, but uh, we're in a down market. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to, to kick people while they're down is what I like to say. Sure. Are, are you worried the market might rally, though, and you might get left behind or? Uh, that's always a concern, but it just nothing in the market has proven that we can do that because literally every single rally, I, I kid you not, every single rally we have had since the beginning of December has sold off. The rally today sold off. We got the news what we expected from the Fed, uh, and, and we had 30 minutes to digest the news from the Fed before we got more bad news. We had 30 minutes to digest the good news we got, that we weren't getting rug pulled. And the market shot up for about four minutes. We got like a four-minute rally, and then it went straight down more uh, than it had gained before that. It was just like, my goodness, it is tough to trade right now. Wow. Kevin, why even bother trading to begin with? I mentioned Don't. in my video, I was like, yeah. Kevin, you won the game. Like, you, you won the game. Why keep playing at that point? You could just take it easy, put it all in, in VT sacks or something like that, chill, and then still, like, trade pretty aggressively with, like, $2 million. 
Yeah, uh, what you know, what what honestly, what I was thinking of is is just throwing, and this was just a thought that crossed my mind. Was just like, I can't believe Tesla's down after these amazing earnings. The more I dissect Tesla earnings, the more I'm like, you know what? I just want to go all in on Tesla, uh, which is like the opposite of the diversification that you're saying. I think uh, for somebody who who uh, you know has has a decent amount of money to where they have this this wealth that would be very difficult for them to replicate again in the future because they did very well in the stock market over the last two or three years or whatever they should absolutely do what you're saying uh you know unless you have uh, another income stream or whatever don't bother right now in this uncertain market trying to trade it don't bother trying to time it uh get into the S&P, if it goes down, what, worst case, 10 20%, buy the dip and forget about it. That's, in my opinion, the best advice, and it's certainly not financial advice. But if I were a financial advisor, something I, I, that, I would, that I would say, but, you know, all in on Tesla is probably not Ke- right. Kevin's like, do as I say, yeah. not as but, I but, do. But, Kevin, that, but that doesn't answer the question, why wouldn't you do that? Because I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. It makes sense to me. I can explain it. I can explain it. It makes okay. sense to me. That's actually, I can't, I can't, I'm like, I'm never going to stop working. I, I don't really care, uh, ultimately, about the numbers on the screen. People are like, oh, you sold because you're fearful. Like, no, I have sold because I wanted the trade. <laughs> and, and so far, the trade, the original yes, worked well because it saved me more losses. But uh, look, I mean, I, I'm never going to stop working uh, i think i'm broken i wish i could i wish i could stop working i wish i could just go vacation with my kids and and just do whatever the hell i want uh but i, I think i'd be bored so i, I don't know I, i'm broken don't don't yeah. don't follow but what no. i do i like to say do as i say not as i do <laughs> do you worry though that that might set uh, a bad example for the audience that you know it's okay to trade it's okay to make you know outsized bets do you worry that, Dude, that there if- are too many people following that if, if people follow me, they'll start dressing as an elf and storming people's offices with flowers and, and they'll do they'll, they'll, they'll drink too much or they'll do really stupid things like I do. Uh, and I do very stupid things. They should not do that. Don't follow me. Uh, I think I'm crazy. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Jer- Jeremy has been very quiet during this time. What do you... Hey, you know, you're at that moment with somebody, you're like, you're better off not, not saying anything. So I think we'll leave it there. You know what? No, Jeremy, I want to hear it. No, I got nothing, man. I want to hear. I want to hear it. Too. No, because okay. you guys already asked him the questions. And I'll I got tell nothing. you. I got I'll nothing. tell you what Jeremy is thinking. He's thinking, Kevin, go on an effing vacation. Stop doing <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But no, I, I got, I got nothing. So, but, but thank you though. Hey, I, I bought tattoo chef today. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I thought Jeremy was gonna mention. No, tattooed chef. no, got nothing, man. Nothing. Well, Kevin, why'd you buy tattooed chef? Yeah. So my thesis today was that, uh, and I was wrong. Uh, I was, I was absolutely wrong. My thesis today was that, uh, today it was going to be, because I knew it was all bad. Like the trajectory for the next year sucks. It's all bad news. But I believed that we were going to see, uh, a, that, that this event, the fed event was a hedged event which means institutions had their shorts, they had their hedges, and after the event, things would just be, okay, we got the news, we got some certainty, we see some stability, we see a minor move up in the, uh, the S&P, like 1% or whatever, and we slowly rotate up from there, we would see some optimism come back. Uh, and then that would re- uh, resort in or result in uh, the institutions 
uh, closing their shorts, which means buying back their short positions. Tattoo Chef is 30% short. Ship Technology is 31% short. Matterport skyrocketed in shorts. SoFi skyrocketed in shorts. And so, so I, I invested in these short companies, which is a very 2021 trading style that worked consistently well. You could consistently turn the printer on and make money doing that in 2021. 2022, if there's one thing I could say that one thing that people should take away is 2022 is different. Do not trade like you did in 2020 or 2021 in 2022 because this year so far sucks. You're better off just buying banks, oil, or the S&P 500 and going on a vacation. Kevin, if you went on a vacation, where would you go? Well, I'm going to go on a vacation this weekend, actually. Where? Uh, it's my birthday because I turned... 30 Friday. Nice. Wow. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, I'm Kevin. I'm going skiing. I, I don't want to say exactly where I'm going, but I'm, I'm going skiing. <laughs> That's fun, man. You deserve it. Thank you. And happy birthday. Is there anything else that you want to mention here or anything you've noticed about a 2022 trading style that uh, that might be worth uh, you out. okay yeah if there's anything else i want to say is is that people everybody should personally ask themselves and they, they should write this down right now what percent trader are you and what percent long-term investor are you write that down and stick to it if you are 100 percent a trader say it you're trading right now i am trading right uh if you are 100 percent a long-term investor then write that down and then right below that you should say Buy the dip on Tesla or the SPY or the index funds or, or, or whatever. But uh, be, be very clear with yourself. If you're a trader, write down 2021 and 2020 strategies. Do not work. And take profits and losses early, especially on options. That's yeah. what I'd be saying. Now, trader, is that spelled T-R-A-I-T? Of <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just the way you said it, like a trader. Yeah. What percent yeah. trader are what you? Five percent. <laughs> yeah. Long-term long investors will say that people who day trade are traders. E R A I, right? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Andre, anything else that you want to mention while we got uh, while we got Kevin here? I, I've got yeah. a mention coming for you, Kevin, in my next video. So watch out for that. It's a good oh. one. It's a positive one. It's a positive. Yeah. One. You Thanks, know, man. yeah. You know what? Actually, Kevin, we have to tell you about our sponsor today, FTX. <gasps> the most generous billionaire ever where you can get 10% off on your trading fees, which are already 85% cheaper than all other trading fees in the link down below. <laughs> it's it's funny, actually. Uh, Nas Daily came out with a video this morning uh, that I sent you guys. Mm -hmm. He's uh, they calling him the most generous billionaire in the world. It's incredible. I highly recommend you guys watch this video, He's, even if you don't care guy, about crypto. Mm. Like I watched him in Congress. I didn't watch the Nas Daily video. I know you sent it, and I'm sorry. I clicked on it, but I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I watched the guy in Congress. The guy's brilliant. He talks very fast, but he's brilliant, and I trust him, and I like him. Yeah. It's you trust the guy more when you see the car he drives. He's worth like twenty billion dollars or something, and he drives a like this kind. Of, I don't want to call it beat up. It's it's like a you know, it's an older Toyota. Not he doesn't even have window tints on it. Like not the completely stock Toyota, and the guy's living in the Bahamas with like ten roommates. It's like that's <laughs> that's, but that's cool. the guy that that yeah. you want on your side is yeah. that yes. guy, not the guy with the Lambo, not the guy you know at the club every mm -hmm. night, like he's at his computer. And I like the fact too, that sometimes you see him live stream and we're going off topic here, but you see him live stream and like his room is messy in the back. And it's just like, he's got like clothes and stuff, but it's like, it's a normal, he's just, he's just an average guy who happens yeah. to be really into crypto. Yeah. And yeah. they're just, 
and he just so happens to be sponsoring today's video. Yeah, thank you. FTX. They're one of the largest US regulated cryptocurrency exchanges in the world in terms of daily users and trading volume. And they give you the best price and have a wide range of products and services to choose from. They've also become the most complete app that allows users to buy crypto and NFTs with no fees. You can also use a crypto debit card. You can track your entire crypto portfolio. You can get important news and updates directly on your phone. They're also cheaper than other crypto exchanges, which is huge. They got no minimum fixed fees on transactions, no ACH fees, no withdrawal fees, and you could set up a recurring investment however much you like. They're giving away $80,000 worth of NFTs with doodles and bored apes, and you can get one by going to ftx.us or using their app and buying $50 worth of NFTs. Make sure to use promo code NFTJAN22. Make sure to use the link down below in the description to sign up. And now with that said, let's start the episode. I have a lot yeah. to say about Kevin's perspective just because I can relate with his perspective. Yeah. In terms of, uh, you know, it's crazy because if I went back to the past and the Andre of three years ago, if I was to tell the Andre of three years ago, you're going to be buying Pokemon cards and NFTs and an expensive <laughs> house. The Andre of me three years ago would have been like, wow, money changed him. He's an idiot. I totally disagree with Why you. Why would you I do that? No, because I, my goal originally was to get a million dollars invested into a safe dividend stock portfolio yielding 4%, 50K a year, and just be done. What I didn't account for, though, is that once I got to this point, what got me here will not get me there. Mm -hmm. And it's the next phase of just expanding your life. And what I didn't account for was that I would still have goals. I would still have things I wanted to accomplish. And I don't just wanna quit now that I'm doing relatively okay. I'm very fortunate to have a YouTube audience. And it's cool, it's like, how far can I get with it? Can I create a business that's bigger than myself? What else can I do? And therein, you kind of understand and learn things like you know leverage and, and, and hedging and, and, t and managing your risk accordingly things that I didn't consider three years ago. And that changed my perspective and wanted me to, it, it, I wanna reach for more potentially. And so it's interesting because the, the three year ago me would not agree with what I'm doing today. And so to relate that back to Kevin, I think it's easy to look at a guy who's worth 30, $40 million and be like, well, if it was my money, I would invest it into a safe thing. And this is what I would just quit and make $1.2 million a year passively for the rest of my life. but. From his perspective, perhaps there's a vantage point that we don't understand because he's playing with something else. And to him, even if his stock portfolio blows up, which I don't think it ever will, he's too smart for that to happen, it doesn't matter. He's still gonna be completely fine. Mm -hmm. And so in the meantime, it just feels like he, he wants to reach for more and he's having fun with it. And in his, I guess, perspective, that makes a lot of sense. But to everyone else, it's like, it's just easy to sit back and judge it. Yeah. Here's the thing though, you were talking earlier about you making like riskier investments. Yeah. I don't think so. I think when you look at that in proportion to how much you're worth and how much you make, you're probably make, it's probably the same thing when you account like 1% of your income goes towards Pokemon cards, let's just say. I'm sure it's it's probably stayed about that, I'm guessing. No, it, it hasn't actually. I didn't dabble in that stuff at all. And the, the point is, is that my goal changed, right? Like before I thought, if I just had a million dollars, I could just quit and not work. Like why would I, why would I work? I'd just travel the world on 50K a year and that would get me by just fine. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, why, why would I do that? I'm reaching for more. I'm mm -hmm. looking at houses that are millions of dollars. Like I don't need that. Why would mm -hmm. I do that? So there are things you realize when you get to a certain point in life where if you want to get to the next step, you can't use the same strategies you used to get you here in the first place. Yeah. But it's good to yeah. stick to your core, you know, Absolutely, your core yeah. beliefs and those sorts of things. 100%. So, um, I think that's really important. You know, I, I think back to the Kevin point, you know, it's like, because I get it. It's like, why not try to time the market or get in and get out? And I think I have some points that aren't even related to the market and like ratios or anything like that. The first point is the stress, right? Mm -hmm. The stress you put on yourself, to me, 
getting all out of the market, then in the market, then out, then in, then options, all this. Yeah, I mean, that sounds so stressful. You know what I mean? Like, um, you're going to be eating yourself up because it's like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. I mean, that's just overwhelming stress. Number two, short-term decision-making leads to more short-term decision-making. And you kind of, it's like the snowball effect and, and turns into an avalanche where if you, the more short-term decisions you start making that aren't really in your best interest for the long-term or something short-term you're trying to do, it hurts yourself more. And you can, you can justify it as, Hey, what I'm doing is is supposed to be the best for me long term, but I think it's just BS. You know, I, to be honest, I think it's just it's gonna it's like the cigarette effect, right? Like I think we all grew up and we know like cigarettes are bad. Stay away from cigarettes. But back in like the '70s or whatever, you go to a party and somebody have a cigarette, and it's like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, you're not gonna get hooked, and then you get hooked, right? So I call it the cigarette effect. And number m- number three here is um you're you're playing the game of it could go lower. You know, if you exit the market, well, it could go lower. That's a, that's the same argument you could always make, right? Could go lower. We could have this happen. We could have that. And I know last week we were talking about recession and some of the worries around the market and things like that. But to get all out over, you know, just fears is 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 a little crazy to 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 sell out of everything. But with stocks, that's the thing with stocks. It's so easy to do that. Real estate, it's not right. Like even if we are talking about a real estate crash and we were like, oh man, Vegas might get hit. Maybe our our you know uh, properties going down twenty percent or California or whatever. We're not all out there making decisions like, oh shoot, we got to sell our house. It's not the way it works. But with stocks, it's so easy to make the decision where it's just like, I'm out of all the stocks, right? And then all of a sudden, you, you don't really want to be out. So next thing you know, you find yourself getting back in and then getting back out. Uh, I went through this in 2015. I got all out of stocks twice. And it was the only time in my life where I actually bought gold. I bought, I went all oh, in gold Jeremy, for didn't. three days. Yeah. No. I was full on, <laughs> I would call myself a full on uh, gambler, you know, in and out of the market, earnings trades and everything in 2015. And uh, once again, it gets back to the short term decisions. Then you start chasing losses. It gets ugly fast. So, yeah. yeah I think sure. the longer you're out of the market, too, the harder it is to get back in. Because imagine mm-hmm. you waited like eight months. Yeah. And you're out of the market. Imagine how terrifying that would be to be like, all right, now I'm going to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. No, personally, I'm not condoning that, like selling everything. I'm just saying that I think it depends on your situation. And in Kevin's case, it's 100%. I don't think anyone should follow in that foot, in those footsteps. But I'm just saying from his vantage point, I think he's got different goals and different things. Like perhaps for him, $10 million for most people is like retirement money for life. Mm-hmm. To him, it's like, oh, it's play money. I, I, could, I could try to anticipate the market. Now, is that right or wrong? Like we would probably never do that. But yeah. From his perspective. Well, I think where most people look at it is you got a massive audience. You know, right. I think we all know Kevin gets crazy views and those sorts of things. So right. that's where you get into some trouble. If he was just a random guy mm-hmm. doing some crazy stuff, oh, I'm out of the market. And no one would care. No one cares. Yeah. yeah, yeah even me, I'd be like, oh that's man, that, you know, yeah. I, no, I know that's, this guy. that's for sure. That's a good point. If you have influence over people, then definitely think about it twice before announcing it publicly. Yeah. Anyway. You know what it reminds me? Uh, like pulling out of the market or going short in the market. Like if you ever play craps. Uh, if you play the the uh, the don't, uh, which mm. basically I don't know if I'm I'm going above people's, but basically if you're if you you could bet on, on the house basically when yeah. you're playing craps, people do not like that player. You come in and you bet against everyone else, and it makes them feel like you're you're against them, and mm. you don't want them to win. And sometimes when everyone else is losing, but that person's like yes, just <laughs> just one, right. uh, people frown upon that. It's considered bad etiquette. Uh, I feel like it's almost the same way in the market. If any one of us would be like, all right, guys, I'm short the market now. No. 
everyone else would feel like, why don't you want me to make money? Right. And so in a way, I think selling or shorting, people feel like you're working against them now. You're not helping them. You want them to fail. I could see that. Yeah. Especially if you have brand built around certain things. I think that's the important part. If, you're, if you've got a brand built around shorting or yeah. even being a trader and you've announced yourself as a trader, people don't really guess, you know, second guess you like that. That's but true. if you're pitched as a certain kind of person with a mentality and then you do opposite, that's where people I think really, you know, that's have a true. problem. It, and it's so hard to balance the, the, the influence that Kevin has with his audience with his own circumstance, which is unlike 99.9% .9 of the world. Mm -hmm. So he wants to stay true to himself with in terms of what he wants to do, but he also wants to be transparent because that's also part of what we do, we're transparent. But therein lies the problem of walking that fine line between people following you and just being like, don't follow me. This mm -hmm. is just me doing what I'm doing. I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. But this is what I'm doing. So it's yeah. hard to balance that out. 100%. Yeah. 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 In and With out. With great power. Yeah. Peter. Yep. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like tech earnings because uh, so, so Jeremy, yes. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The market kind of follows tech, right? For the most part, yeah. So we follow so their earnings, leaks. we follow their expectations because the, the the assumption is, well, if tech is assuming slow growth, then it's definitely yeah. going to be slow for everyone else, right? Yeah. So I have some numbers. I could I could memorize them. Mm -hmm. but like, so Microsoft was Monday, I believe, right? Or uh, Tuesday? Monday, uh, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. okay. Tuesday after the bell. Yep. Okay, so so Strong. Microsoft beat expectations. $18.8 mm -hmm. .8 billion, right? Yep. An increase, apparently, of 20% over the last year in the same time mm -hmm. period. 20%. That's crazy. But the stock still fell yeah. over 5%. That's yeah. insane. Okay. How does that make sense? Tesla. Now, you know a lot about Tesla. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> EPS, earnings per share, $2.38. They reported $2.54. So they beat expectations by 6.88%. Mm -hmm. And Tesla still went down 5.3%. I mean, to be fair, I think they ended today with 2% up. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it, it fell. So it's, it's almost like the market's saying like, okay, you did better than we expected, but not way better than we yeah. expected. And it just like, you can yeah. explain to me, but like my explain like I'm five explanation for why this is going on is it's almost like, I don't know, the market's just like, you did good, but not as good as we thought. Yeah. So, so you have to kind of take it company by company. Uh, Microsoft specifically, if you pull up a one-year chart of Microsoft, it's yep. been a it's been a great stock. Yeah. It's, it's been beast. But the thing is, you you price in a lot of good news. That's right. the issue. And in this sort of market, we're kind of uh, you know, if anything, kind of going risk off. So Microsoft's priced in a lot of good news. They come out with good news, and you're not rewarded for it. And so that's just the way it goes. It's like we could put a lot of time into a YouTube video, and then it goes a ten out of ten, and we're like, why did we do that, right? And that's kind of Microsoft situation where. Great numbers, but they're not rewarded because so much is priced in. Not to mention that because of their tremendous growth, because of Rony Rona, right? Like everyone stayed home. Tech did amazingly well. Mm -hmm. I feel like tech stocks are now like, hey, guys, we did really well last year, but like we can't spoil you everywhere, every time, like every year this way, because that's just not sustainable growth. And the market's like, man, well, I want to be spoiled. You know what? And it's it's the like, opposite of what happened in 2020. Remember the worse the companies did, the more they went up? Yeah. <laughs> the closer that. they got to bankruptcy, the more attractive they became. <laughs> because all the hedge funds would yeah. short them. And all the no, <laughs> I, think, I, I think that was only a part of it. I think uh, from my perspective, it was... Uh, they're unlikely to go down much further. So, so there's more upside there than me just losing like $2 a share. I don't care. Or it could go back to $30 a share. Uh, I, I think the that. risk reward when those companies were nearing bankruptcy, why not? I mean, why especially not, if hedge know? funds are shorting them. Then you're like, ooh, they're betting on them to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back then it was the same thing. It was like companies reported horrible earnings, but 
they're going up because that meant that we'd get more stimulus. Right. So now it's the opposite. Now that we're reporting great earnings, but that means that then we're more likely to have rate hikes and, yeah. and the growth and, is going to slow down. So and, it's, and to Kevin's point, there's not that many, like you said, there's not that many positive catalysts that we can price into the future anymore. Yeah. Like what are some, I, I can't think of a single positive catalyst that, that investors are looking forward. It just, yeah. Feels like bad news are being kicked down the road further and further with like the Fed, which we can get into. Yeah. Just like there's. So I think it's important to understand like market cycles when you go through an actual full market cycle, because essentially what we've seen is the riskiest plays started falling in, in kind of actually early 2021. And then the the further, you know, or, or let's call it even the less risky plays started to fall toward the end of the year, the PayPal's and the squares and even companies like that, that maybe are seen a little less risky. Right. And so. As you go through this market cycle, you sell off more and more. And once you start coming out, the riskier stuff does the best, the fastest. And so that's why I think you guys, you're, you're referring to there, Graham, where at the end of March into April of 2020, some of those stocks that were bankruptcy candidates started to come back so strong because that's that's the way the market always works. Coming out of uh, a down cycle, next thing you know, the small caps, more speculative, those ones bounce back the fastest. Meanwhile, you could still be getting bad economic data or still like a lot of fear in the market. And that's the part that fries people's brains because it's like, wait, we still got so much bad news that's going on. We see so much bad news. And yet these risky stocks are all of a sudden popping 20, 30, 40, 50%. And then all of a sudden you, you get a little better news. And then the next group of stocks start going up. And then the next so, group of stocks. So zooming yeah. out, you're saying that small caps are deemed more risky right now. Yes. Rather than usually, like tech. I mean, yeah. we understand that tech is really risky right now yeah. because of inflation and all this other stuff. But you're saying that overall, the, the average retail investor looks at small caps as more risky. I think that not necessarily uh, retail investors because we're just a very, very small amount of the market, right. you know, in terms of people actually picking stocks and buying and selling. Um, it's more like the institutions, the hedge funds, folks like that. They look at if I'm going to start selling stuff off, it's the small caps first. Mm -hmm. I'll go from there. In the very last group, that goes is Microsoft, right. Apple. Those are seen as the safest of the safe companies. And so you, that's how you get a Microsoft situation. Apple reports Thursday after the bell. If their guidance isn't quite right, don't be surprised if that baby falls, even if they beat all of last right. quarter numbers. Right. Even if they so. do good in terms of profitability, you're saying if they put out any statement that's like, hey, don't expect growth like this. Keep, keep going. Yeah. You're saying it's going to fall anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If their guidance is at all worrisome, that baby will pull back probably five to eight percent the next day it has to be though right i mean did you see the semiconductor shortage that they said was like crazy yeah, also the, the iphone's nothing special now i mean I, there's there's no difference between the last two it's so minor i feel, I feel like we've been saying that for so many years now. i guess so <laughs> that that's true yeah. that is true like, yeah i know it, it, you they, know what, oh you know what the macbooks they could actually do well because i don't know how many people are buying that the m1 macbooks but yeah but I feel like a lot of people have started looking into that. Well, the problem is they they just went through kind of a super cycle with Rona because everybody started having to do school at home, work from home. So MacBook business was a beast for about an 18 month span. So now you have to lap those numbers along with iPad numbers. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. So if anything, I think Apple's last quarter likely really good guidance. I don't know, man. That yeah, that's I mean, what I'm. That's what my eyes are. I feel like be everyone's on. guidance is bad. Like people are like, you, you can't expect us to do this forever. <laughs> that's just the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see a lot of the smaller cap companies and see how they do. I'm, I'm really interested to see Corsair's uh, numbers. I'm really interested, obviously, to see the chef's numbers, honest companies like that and see uh, what they have to say.
But do you guys think there will be any assets this year or anything that people are going to speculate into like they did in Dogecoin and Shiba Inu Ooh, and all this, those? Every year, I feel like there's something. There's something, What right? is it going to be this year? Uh, NFTs, man. It's happening. There are the ICOs of 2017 right now. I think yeah. with NFTs, the tough thing is it's hard for people to really wrap their heads around it or really get in that market, I feel like. like I, I think if you ask a person, like, what is an NFT? I don't think 99% of people could tell you, first off. Secondly... If you ask somebody, where do I go buy an NFT? I don't think anybody even knows. Actually, yeah. I don't, you know. You know yeah. what? But there are, well, apparently FTX. Yeah, FTX. You could yeah. buy one yeah. on FTX. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Jeremy has a point. The thing with like Dogecoin, it was easy to purchase. Yep. Anyone who could do like five minutes of research could be like, all right, I'll, I'll just sign up and do it. That's about to change though. Mm. Coinbase partnered with MasterCard to allow NFT purchases with MasterCard. Oh. Not sponsored. Just yeah. saying. So imagine going on Coinbase and seeing a marketplace where you're like, oh, I could buy this thing for $100 directly with my credit card. Great. Yeah. You know the kind of speculative I like, see, fervor that would man, kick off? Yeah. If, if any brokerage like that made it that easy, where just as simple as buying a stock, you could buy an NFT. Oh, it's man. coming this year. It's coming People soon. People are going to get yeah. wrecked. They're yeah. either going to make a lot of money or they're going <laughs> to lose everything, man. I feel like there will That's be- That's trouble. How is it- I, I mean, you know, it's no different than anything else. How is that not going to lead to rampant speculation? 100%. I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I feel like that's what's going to trigger a crazy arms race with NFTs. Oh, yeah. mm. And I don't know how long that's going to last. Like Graham said, maybe maybe everyone just loses everything, but that's that's about to happen. It's, so. I'm well, sure. Every, question, it's, yeah. who, who has the money to invest in this? Oh, people will find a way to speculate <laughs> yeah. on that. That didn't stop beanie babies or tulips, man. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm just looking at it and it's oh, like the, the Bitcoin dip, is it really getting bought? I don't know. I guess maybe a yeah. little bit. Is, yeah. El people... Salvador is buying yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm buying yeah. it too. But Okay. Oh, have you seen the tweet from the El Salvador president? He tweeted himself in like with a McDonald's hat, like working McDonald's because oh, this country's about awesome. to go broke. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious! You gotta laugh it off. Yeah, at, at least he's point. got a, like, at least he's got a sense of, humor. sense of humor. And then the IMF is is urging El Salvador to be like, "Yo, stop using Bitcoin. This is not cool." So it's yeah. kind of interesting. IMF, by the way, if you're not familiar, International Money Fund, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, money monetary, fund. monetary, monetary money, fund. Right. money fund. <laughs> basically, yeah. basically got it. <laughs> <laughs> money fund, yeah, monetary fund, and and 195 countries. No, yeah, 100, 195, 190 or something. 195, okay. yeah, uh, countries participating where they're all supposed to like encourage you know trade, economic trade, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting because they're just urging El Salvador to stop using this volatile currency, and they're about to go broke. So we'll wow. we'll see what's going to happen. But um, I think we lost like 1.4 trillion dollars worth of value from the crypto markets in the last week. Jeez. 1.4 trillion. Wow. That's nutty. No, yeah. not that much. No, I thought it was, I thought the market, well, you know what, you might be right. No, because the market peaked near 3 trillion as far yeah. as I'm aware. And mm -hmm. now it's about 1.7. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. And th this is. Yeah. Right. It's not right. 1.4. It's 1.3. <laughs> I knew that sounded off. I knew that sounded a little so a little incorrect. <laughs> no, I don't believe. I think it's 1.4. <laughs> so this this is an interesting something. So Darren Ravel tweeted out this uh, yesterday. He said on November 12th, Odell Beckham Jr., who's a popular receiver for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, signed a deal with the Rams worth $750,000. I saw that tweet. Yeah, he, uh, he, he announced <laughs> that he would take it in Bitcoin. At that time, Bitcoin was worth $64,293. Today, or at least at that time, is worth $35,000. I think right now, as recording this, I think it's $37,000. Today, that deal is worth $412,953. Odell will be taxed on $750,000 federal and CA state tax 
50.3%. That means Odell, as of now, has netted $35,703 from the Rams contract But that's not fair. You can't look at it like that. That's thing. a very clever tweet. I, that's yeah. to, yeah. I said that he'd be able to take a capital loss, and there's nothing that says he can't wash sale this yeah. and basically just sell it and then buy now right back in. No, he can't this year anymore. Why? Because that that loophole was closed this year at Jan- on January 1st. What? Since yeah. when? No. January 1st. Yep. No, it's not. It's yeah, it is. Bitcoin I would trust sale? Andre on this. Wash sale is done with crypto. Yeah. So you could last year, but not this year? Yeah, last year you could. What? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you didn't do that. Uh, oh, my gosh. You. I don't believe but that, you. That's crazy, though, because, yeah, a lot of these... Um, yeah. I've definitely seen it. Some athletes taking their their salaries in Bitcoin. Yeah, but you know like what that. I always said? It's like if you're buying something with, with the goal of having it go up in value purely because it's like a money thing... Mm-hmm. You would look like a genius in one point of history and like an idiot in another. And mm-hmm. it's constantly in flux. Yep. Like I bought Bitcoin when I was buying it when it was $600 in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I was buying it purely for the price because oh. I thought it was going to go up. Sorry. Uh, it is still intact. It was attached to the Build Back uh, Build Back Better Act. Okay. Oh. Did that so, not go through? No. You That's sure? That's right. There was yep. one, one guy who uh, held the thing up. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, what's the? It's they a, don't like him. I don't know, man. I I feel like I the IRS imagine. is still gonna right. crack down on I can't people. Remember his name? Why is it Stephen? Uh, it starts with M. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, mansion. A mansion. He lives it's in a mansion. mansion. No, I am, mansion. Dude, I'm telling you, I think the IRS is still going to come down on people if they did that this year. Listen, the IRS is so backed up. Do you really think they're going to be going to people and be like, hey, you showed your crypto? Yeah, with, cri- with crypto, I think so. Did you see the Joe Biden executive order? Yeah, that's something right we should talk I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what's going to happen is that the U.S. is going to create their own U.S. dollar stablecoin, 100%. Well, the executive order is just the thing that the president could pass to try to, out- not outlaw, but define crypto regulation a little bit more. It's not like banning crypto or anything like that. He's just trying to get Congress to understand and pass something to regulate it more. So for now, it's speculative as far as like what this executive order could be. Nobody knows, but it's just supposed to be better guidelines. And Graham is speculating. He's probably right that, it, that the government's working on their own stable coin. You know, a dollar equals one stable coin, and they just want to better understand crypto. But again, they've been saying that for so long that... Uh, They're going to do it, though. They have to. They yeah. have to. It's a huge risk, though. I remember Jerome Powell saying that, that they're going to take their sweet time developing that just because there's no real reason for them to do it right now. Yeah, there is. What, what reason? To track people. Already, That's what it they're is. They're already doing that. No, but they're going to be able to trace every, like, uh, if, if I give you a dollar, Jeremy, they, they would see that there's one dollar transferring, one coin transferring from me to you. Mm-hmm. And they'll see, and they'll say, wait a second, Jeremy, you reported your tax return. You received one million of these coins this year, but you only reported that you made 800,000 coins. Mm-hmm. Where did the other 200,000 go? Explain this. And they're going to do that across the board. It'll be as easy as them, like, pressing a button. It'll be able to do it for the entire population. Like, it'll know who received what. It'll see where I spent my money. Mm -hmm. And it'll see it. Wait a second, Graham. You said you wrote this off as a business meeting. But... uh, 
but we see that your your money went to this restaurant here. Explain this. It, it, I think it's all going to be automated. Did the six hundred dollar transfer thing go through? Yes, it did. It did. Okay. So uh, I have a video coming out about this shortly, actually. That um, basically that only applies to business transactions. Okay. So when you send a vet, so basically the whole situation was people were really upset because if you receive more than six hundred dollars a year from a, a third party payment processor, like a Venmo, like, a PayPal, Venmo, yeah, exactly. Uh, after $600, which we all receive $600 a year, so everybody, uh, they're going to send you a 1099K to mm. report that income on your tax return. People were really upset. They're like, wait a second. I get $600 a month from my roommate to reimburse me for rent. So you're saying now I have to you know, claim that on my taxes, even though it's a reimbursement for rent that I have to pay my landlord. Yeah, it's exactly. like, I don't get that. So. On Venmo and PayPal, there's a little tiny thing where it says, are you paying for goods and services? Mm -hmm. Check that box, and that applies towards the $600. Don't check that box, and it doesn't. Right. Because it, then it's a personal transaction. Now, what many people forget is that for stuff like this, the rule already existed. Mm -hmm. uh, for PayPal and Venmo, if you have more than 200 transactions and $20,000 a year, you're automatically issued a 1099K. If you receive under that, you, you don't hit the threshold. This, I think they just want to bring this down because they see so many people uh, that just are like, just Venmo me. Yeah. And then they're not going to report it yeah. uh, instead of using cash. I think it's a big problem for a lot of these payment processors that are getting caught up in that. So at least by checking the little toggle switch, is it payment for goods and services? Venmo could be like, hey, listen, we did our job. We asked. Now it's on them to be honest about whether or not that's a business transaction. Yeah, that's a good workaround because that would suck. Imagine you're going to a restaurant and you pay and your friend just Venmos you back. So it's not money that you earned. It's mm -hmm. just money you already paid. And now you have to explain that potentially, yeah. which would be horrible. And it's like, you know, the IRS is so backed up as it is. Uh, Clear Value Tax made a video saying that only 3% of people that call the IRS actually reach an operator. Right. Three people out of 100. They're so backed up. And now they're saying that tax returns might be delayed six months, which actually probably means 12 months. I don't know. It's I a mess. I feel like with crypto, they might want to set an example at some point just, just to get just to establish the precedent of like, hey, don't skirt around crypto. You have to report everything. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they really went after crypto. I think year. they're going to go. I personally, I think they'll go after the big targets, the big easy targets, the big bullseye that they know. They're like, hey, I know if I go to this person or this company, it's probably more so companies. I don't probably that, going after you're, this. You're talking about makes sense though. You're Six, talking about the heavy hitters like the no, Andre Jicks of the world. No, yes. no, specifically Andre Jick <laughs> <laughs> for that the, name. The big, yeah. <laughs> if you look under the, some of the biggest of the bigs out there, the big no, guys listen, out there in crypto. I, the, the only reason I'll disagree with that is because if they really wanted to go after the big guy, why would they set it to six hundred dollars? Like, are you are they really going after the billionaires? No, but you're talking about like, crypto. But you're talking about you know doing the crypto thing. I think. Just, I think this is just meant to dissuade people from from skirting around it. That's all I think it is. Sure, it's just, it doesn't make sense. They're going tactic. after billionaires when they're like six hundred dollars. But you know what? But but here's the thing: it becomes very easy for the IRS if you get issued a ten ninety nine k. The IRS gets the info, and then it's just like then it's a discrepancy at that point. Right. All this thing, all the smaller amounts that they're automated. They'll send out a letter: Hey, this doesn't match what we have here. We think you owe this amount. Uh, pay it, but then you have to explain it to us. Mm. Have you it's ever had mess. a letter uh, sent to you for the IRS? Yep. I've had once or twice. Yeah. It's so, so scary. I, I could tell you. Yeah, every single time I get a letter, I am panicked. Me too. I'm like, what did I do this time? I'm like, I get so worried. Uh, but no, so I did have an issue. Now, this is not my fault, but with uh, with my accountant, really. She, she took ownership of this, and <laughs> okay. we're working it through right now so I can get my money back. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
she, I, you know, I don't want to throw her under the bus, but anyway, uh, I ended up getting a bill for eighty thousand dollars. Oh my uh, god! For for uh, penalties and interest for not paying a difference that was reported versus what I actually made. So uh, so basically, I filed an extension. I reported my income, but I didn't pay that bill on the April fifteenth. I paid it on October upon per advice. So they sent me. Uh, and because I paid a higher amount in October, they sent me this bill for 80 grand, basically, is the difference of the money that I should have paid earlier. Mm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so... Uh, Did yeah, they charge so you I, interest for it? Yes. Oh, how so much? Interest, it was terrible. They charged a half a percent interest uh, per month as a penalty. Half a percent interest? What is that even based on? That's not the federal fund rate. Yeah, that's just what they charge you. It's a, it's a late fee penalty. That's their late mm -hmm. fee. So hold on, half a percent a month, and cumulative it stacks up, so like half a percent, 1%, 1 1.5? 1 I don't know if you get it? half a percent. I think it's half a percent on the balance up to a certain amount. But it it's a lot. at a certain point? No, I think it just keeps <laughs> going. See, that, that, that's why you could see people be like, I owe the IRS like you know $50 million. It's just like for penalties and fees. Don't mess with the IRS. This is an honest mistake she she and, and i have it in writing just so people know that like i always pay my taxes on time she in writing is handling this and just wow. messed up yeah. so anyway so i got the bill for that 80 grand i paid it off but now getting the money back and ex going through the irs uh it's probably going to take one to two years that's crazy uh, so then we have her errors and in emission insurance which uh, as far as I'm aware, they want us to try to get the money back, and then they'll cover what we're not able to get back. Right. But then that's two years. It's Dang. two years my money's gone. She calls you back, and she's like, Graham, that statistic about three in 100 people reaching IRS is correct. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but but so that's years. what I'm saying. So if so, in any of these cases, like you have to pay the IRS. Yeah. You never don't pay. You pay them. But then one to two years. That's crazy. Because they're so backed up. That'd be wonderful if you they know? gave you back the money plus interest that they owed you for the two years. Uh, so that if would you, be fair. So technically, if you overpay the IRS... Uh, they will pay you back with 3% interest. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's fair. Imagine you have to report that. They're like, we paid you 3% <laughs> interest, but because you didn't report that, here's a fee. <laughs> you did now report 10%. <laughs> we just figured out a finesse in the whole system. You just overpay the IRS all the yeah, time. So I, so I thought about, so I, I believe it or not, I, I thought about, do, I don't yeah, know, it's way better that. than a savings account. Right. Uh, but uh, you're only allowed to overpay by a certain amount relative to last year's income. So that's mm. to prevent people like from being like, all right, I want 3%. I'm going to put like $10 million. <laughs> I'm going to pay them and they get paid back interest. Um, yeah. Pro tip, guys, it. just overpay $10 million and you'll make some money. Yeah, yeah you, you can't do that. Things rich people say. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can't do. No, no, seriously. I thought that wow. like that would that could be like an emergency fund. You get yeah. three if you want the cash anyway. But then, but then it's also getting the money back. Yeah. You'd have to file, uh, and then you'd get paid back the difference. It's it's not. It's meant for smaller amounts that you would yeah. overpay, and they'll give you back money with interest. Okay, so going forward, yeah. did we learn anything new this week? Because I still feel like we're kind of yes. back where we were last yeah. week. Yeah, here's here's the big one. Right. The Fed said that. Uh, when asked about inflation, that December was about the same or worse. Okay, so the 7 percent again. The f or worse. The or fact worse. that he said or worse, that was the freakout. Huh. That was the mark. The fact that he says or worse. That also gives the indication that he's not shying away from a half a point rate increase in March. It's right. a possibility. So the fact that inflation is worse our economy is better. We're growing faster. All right. It's I'm, a higher likelihood of a I'm higher rate Why wouldn't they just stop buying assets right now? Like, they're still going to buy it in February. They're still going to spend $30 billion of cranking that money printer, and then in March <laughs> they'll stop. But why wouldn't they just already stop? These are life's great questions. I think the, a very interesting question is, you guys know about Paul Volcker, you know, yeah. back in the day. He, he raised interest rates crazy, put the whole country into 
bad recession was obviously people did not like him during that time period, right? Hated him. Like you're sending us into a recession. So sorry, the Papa Pal of the 1970s. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I think he was more of an enemy than than Mr. <laughs> Mr. J Pal. But yeah. <laughs> but in, in terms of if you're in his shoes, do you really want to you know bring down inflation that bad that you put us into a recession? Because he took the stance of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring down inflation. If that means we go into a recession, we go into a recession. What would you yeah. guys do if you're in his but shoes? But wasn't inflation back then like... 11%. 11 to 15%. It, it was, was, like it was a double digit. Yeah. It was yeah. 20% at the end, right? In 1979 or 1980. In 1975 mm. or something. At that point, it was 11%. I think it's unavoidable. Like you're going into... Like there's no way around it. Either, either inflation is going to continue or you pick a recession. Like so, which one do you pick? Yeah, but my question was like, if you really wanted to fight off inflation, right? Wouldn't mm. you have to raise the rate by at least the equivalent of inflation to cancel it out, if not more? Because he raised mm. rates to... To twenty percent in yeah. a year when mm -hmm. it was eleven percent, so he almost doubled that. Right? Mm -hmm. I think it's enough to discourage spending and discourage speculation, discourage lending. Right. That's all I think it is. I don't yeah. think it, I don't think it needs to be equivalent. This time around, I'm guessing we'd never do that just because of how well, shaky the economy is. You know what? Here's the thing. It's all it's all relative, right? You said he almost doubled, right? Yeah. The interest rate. We could end up over doubling based upon what uh, you know Jamie Dimon thinks and a lot of the other uh, people on Wall Street. A lot of them are expecting four to seven rate hikes, minimum 0.25. You run the numbers on that, that's more than a double up in a matter of a year, yep. if that goes through, of course. Here's what else is interesting. Goldman Sachs. So right now, we don't know exactly when they're going to start sucking up that money back and selling off the bonds. Mm -hmm. So Goldman Sachs is saying that June is going to be about the month where they're going to start sucking that money back in. At the rate of $100 billion, they're going to start offloading those bonds. Now, at that rate, since the Federal Reserve balance sheet is $8.8 .8 trillion, to get back to where we were pre-pandemic, which was $4.1 trillion, it would take them like 47 or 48 months to get back to those same level, which is about four years. So it's going to take them almost four years of offloading. So my question is, are we going to see inflation for the next few years just because the rate of selling bonds is only $100 billion a month? Probably not. Yeah, I, I'm no. expecting inflation to come way down throughout 22. Yeah. I think I think as 22 goes on, I think inflation is just going to go down more and sure. more and more. Yeah. I, I've almost thought like maybe by the end of the year, maybe we're at deflation, but I, I don't want to go that far because that's a whole different situation. No, I don't know. Because you know. have to think, uh, because they measure it year over year. So we would have to go, if, if we're at up 6%, we'd have to be going up mm -hmm. another 6%. Yeah. So Which even if prices lot. stay the exact same from now until then, uh, from now until a year from now, I mean, we could have 0% mm -hmm. inflation just as long as prices the, the, the only thing that I'll say against that is because of supply chains and how Tesla said that, like, basically till the end of this year, supply chains are going to suck. Yeah. So that is a huge reason. I mean, that's the only reason we have yeah, stupid but, inflation but, right now. But there's got to be demand. Are people buying Teslas that much to, beyond that, what we're already well, seeing? Well, if prices naturally go up, I feel like that's just psychological. Like, oh, prices are going up. I have to buy right now. People will find a way Here's to what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. I go to bring a trailer. Mm -hmm. Every single day, and I like to see what cars are being sold because okay. I always look. What's Bring a Trailer? Uh, Bring a Trailer is a, a bidding website where you okay. could go and like people put up their cars, and there's a really great selection of cars on bringatrailer.com. <laughs> and, uh, and not sponsored. Cars and bids. Uh, cars and bids.com. <laughs> this is it. This <laughs> at Cars and Bids. I love. I love how he says it. Makes, it, it makes me so happy how he says that. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's similar to cars and bids. Yep. Bring a trailer. And it's interesting to watch the price of 
high-end exotic and rare cars. Mm. More often than not, even though we're getting high prices, some of these cars more often are not hitting their reserve. Fewer people are paying the top dollar, and I think the seller's expectations right now is a lot higher than what people are willing to pay. That was not the case I don't know, six, seven months mm-hmm. ago. But you're saying they're luxury cars only or just every car? Exotics. Exotics. So uh, so I would say most of the, the higher-end ones are like two hundred grand to $600,000. I don't know. Is that representative of like yeah. average consumer? I, I think it does because it's showing that the demand is slowing down. Okay. And I think a lot of it could start at the very top. If people aren't buying these cars that, are, that, that aren't hitting reserves that they would have hit eight months ago. I think that's a sign that, that some of these people either might be tapped out, they might be worried, yeah. they might not see the value there anymore. Um, There's no FOMO in the market. I have my unofficial FOMO meter. Last mm. year at this time, we were at 100. Yeah. That was the only time it's ever hit 100. Right now, we're at zero. I feel like there's zero FOMO in the market. What are the what are the the parameters yeah. are me looking at YouTube comments, Tattoo, me looking at Discord, chef, yeah. yeah, me looking at Discord chats, Reddit, you know, just taking everything in rates. from the community. <laughs> yeah, our ad rates. No, but there's just there's no FOMO in this market. You know, you, there's no one out there saying, "I oh, load the boat on Bitcoin right now." You know what I mean? Oh, load the boat on Tattoo Chef. It's just right now everybody's like, "Well, you know, I could buy some, maybe a little bit. I'll put a little bit in." But there's no one yeah. like. Last year at this time, we were in such a FOMO market. It was, you had to buy today, it's going to the moon, yeah. or you're screwed, man. And it was like a 2% dip in something. It was like, you better get in now. Yeah. This is your last chance. This is true. So, this is true. But it's crazy how fast that sentiment can change. Yes. It's a so year. fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be shorter yeah. than that. Oh, yeah, it, for sure. And it's basically just Jerome Powell just crafting the story. He's just like, eh, let me see. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Tesla earnings, uh, I'm not sure if you guys got to see the numbers. The numbers were obviously, obviously tremendous. Interesting stuff Elon said on the conference call. Three core things. One is, uh, let me just get them out of the way and then we can discuss all these. One is he said the robot business, he thinks is going to be bigger than the auto business, which is just a ridiculous concept to even wrap your head around, right? Two is he thinks they're going to have autonomy 100% solved by the end of this year. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'll say something okay. later. Okay. Okay. So, so that's another huge thing. Third thing was he said they should have be comfortably over 50% revenue growth Whoa. this year in 22, which analysts have them at 44%, which means, you know, pretty much all the analysts on Wall Street are going to have to up their EPS numbers and their revenue mm-hmm. numbers quite substantially. Margins uh, came in looking pretty good too. So I wouldn't be surprised if analysts have to upgrade the margins. It doesn't mean st- Tesla stocks go on the moon, but. Those are those are the sorts of th- sorts of things that get people really really darn That's excited. That's exciting. Yeah. The reason I laughed is because I, I just recently watched a YouTube video that someone did a compilation of Elon Musk saying we're solving level five autonomy every year since like 2015, <laughs> and at the end it's like that song. It's like yeah. He's like I think we'll. So-. And then the last year it was 2021. He's like, when do you think we'll solve level five autonomy? He's like. I'm relatively confident it's going to be 2022. (laughs) The song just kicks off. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's funny. But robotics, that's interesting, man. That's cool. I know. The the robot. uh, He thinks it could be bigger than the auto business. The Roni robot. (laughs) The Roombot. The The Roombot. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's Uh, it's like the movie iRobot, man. We're all going to have our own little robot. I could see that, though. Imagine, Mm. Imagine at Chipotle. You just, you have a robot now behind the thing that's just like, spits out like a predetermined amount of rice beans fajita mm-hmm. stuff chicken steak and then you get to the counter you 
putting your credit card, you never have to talk to. I don't know. And then, I, well, then, then people are yeah. looking at the robot like, "Hey, you got cheap with the steak. <laughs> yeah, Come give on, me a little man. bit more steak." I don't know. I and just feel just, like it grabs one piece of steak. <laughs> <and puts it>. <laughs> <laughs> it grabs it, throws it at you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Every eye. single time. You know what's crazy? I always ask for more sour cream. They they skimp on the sour cream. They're like, "Can I get a little bit more?" And then you think, "Fattest thing." Oh sour cream. gosh. You just dump it on there. Like that's too much now. I don't know, man. I feel like one of the biggest benefits from robotics will be that Nancy Pelosi could just finally say like I didn't buy it. Oh, I didn't press the button. Yeah, the robo my, my advisor. Robot did. <laughs> robo advisor, advisor did. 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 Uh, oh, Andre, awesome. there's no need to get political here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, didn't you see she's one of the best traders of all time? No, it's incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, so anyways, guys, you know, the robot comments all that, but it is interesting Elon does say Comfortably over 50% growth. Because that's the one thing that's like short term that you can feel like, okay, if he says it, he's got to be pretty confident, which kind of is interesting because he made those recession comments. But then to come in and say, hey, we're going to be comfortably over 50% revenue growth. Can you explain to me why he tweeted that one time uh, we're going to be in a recession or... What did he well, tweet exactly? Yeah, he didn't have anything. He didn't go into depth. You don't think there was any any basis in reality for why he tweeted? That. Well, we we talked about a little bit last week. You know, I think some of the the Google Trends data around auto loan, car loan, those sorts of things are troubling. Maybe a Tesla orders coming in aren't as strong. They can still push huge numbers, probably likely from China, because I don't know if you guys know what's going on in China, but China is likely going to be uh, Tesla's biggest market. Mm. It's actually likely probably going to dwarf uh, the U.S. And they're actually expanding another factory right now in China because their demand over there is just ridiculous. Yeah. And they're even starting, this is ingenious, okay? So what they're starting to do is make uh, like the Model 3s and stuff in China and ship them to Europe. Now, here's why I think this is going to be extra genius. I think they're going to continue to build factories in China, not just to support the, you know, what's the, the folks that are buying in China or exporting to some other markets. But I think... Remember, the robo-taxi network's like a huge bullish thesis on if you're going to be involved in Tesla, right? What I think they're going to be able to do is make all their uh, autonomous vehicles in China for probably way cheaper than what they can make in the United States or in Europe for that matter, and then send them over to the United States. They won't have to buy it because they're the ones that are producing it, so you're probably not going to have to hit, get hit with any of the tariffs or, or anything like that. Like if you made a car in China right now and try to ship it to the States, you got a bunch of you know right. uh, penalties and fees and stuff you got to pay. But if you're selling it to your, you're not, you're not selling it. You're just giving it to yourself, your own robo taxi network. Mm. And they could have a crazy competitive advantage, not just from the, the, the system of like, we got autonomy maybe first, right? But we're making these cars far uh, cheaper than right. what you guys can make it. Why would they build the Gigafactory in Berlin if that's the case then? So Berlin, they still got to satisfy all the European demand, so which you're is saying a lot. Just like, or maybe regulatory problems that maybe you can't ship cars from China to Germany, maybe? Yeah, I, I don't know about specific markets, but I do know they are shipping some some cars from China to Europe right now. So maybe it's to some markets that you don't get hit as hard. I just remember I reading know. that they were making the Chinese cars like better than the ones we were getting here in America. I wouldn't be surprised. They're better. Yeah. They're like the I more upgraded yeah. ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised in terms of like at least maybe the quality of them. Yeah. I mean, we know they're the, they're the best at putting things together. You know, they're better than us. There's a reason iPhones are, are made over there. Okay. So. so, all right. So no reason why Elon would have said that then. <laughs> no, there could be. Uh, like we talked about, you know, auto loan, maybe orders are but coming you know in what? a little late. But I think the, the, I the search data might only be because there are fewer cars uh, available to be sold. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, fewer cars being sold, fewer people searching for cars and loans. Yeah. Maybe that's why. 
No, it could be various things. And, and he talks with a lot of people. So maybe he talks with other folks and he hears some troubling things. I don't know. Apple, in my opinion, is going to be the most important earnings of the earnings season, not just because they're the biggest company. Yeah. But that's the one company that you can say, if they we have weak guidance, yeah. that's a direct reflection of where the consumer's at. If Tim Cook has any worrisome, Microsoft is not that company. Microsoft's needs-based. Right. You know, like no one's like, oh, I really want Microsoft, right. you know. But <laughs> iPhone is like, yeah, you know, I didn't buy a new iPhone this year. I'm like, I'll be fine with mine. I'm not spending that thousand bucks. I'll, I'll keep that, man. I need my Microsoft yeah. PowerPoint, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Actually, no, you're right. If Because if Apple can't do it, <laughs> no one can. Yeah. That's the general thought yeah. process. So, Jeremy, a question about futures. Yes. Are futures markets any indicators of where the stock market's going? You, you said it's yeah. it, futures are down, which means people are expecting in the next 30 days that market's not going to do so well. Well, yeah, th that's specifically looking at tomorrow's futures, what I just referenced there. So, uh, essentially, uh, you know, before I go to bed every night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I check on CNBC's got the futures. And generally, that's a pretty good correlation to however the market's going to trade, at least in the morning time. Now, market can flip and things like that. But if we're seeing, like, if I go to bed and I see, you know, NASDAQ's negative 2%, let's say, I mean, we're likely going to open bad because I go to bed so late. We're only five, six hours from opening. Right now, looking at futures, not the best because we're so early. So you kind of want to look at it really late at night or maybe a few hours before the market opens. What index is that? What what ticker? You you can see uh, the Dow. You the can Dow. see the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ yeah. if you want to see the futures. I've stopped so. paying attention because they're always wrong. <laughs> I see them the night before and I'm like, oh, they're down. I wake up in the morning, the market's up a percent. I'm like, all right. And then it closes down and then it's up, up. the futures are up after. It makes no sense. You got to go You got to go to bed later, Graham. That's the problem. <laughs> You're going to bed too early. You got to uh, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., oh, maybe 2.30 a.m. This 2 is true. goes to bed at like 9. Nah, <laughs> it's uh, 11. 11 o'clock. So 9.35. Yeah. So it's like when my kids call them Grams. You know, it's like, you, yeah, they think, you know, my little ones, they think his name's Grams. I'm like, Grams, no, it's Graham. Yeah. Grandma. Grams. There's more than one. <laughs> That's how I'm able to post so many videos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's two of me. Yeah. yeah. It, it, just, it just seems like that this year is, man, there's so many, like, catalysts that I see that are not necessarily positive for the markets from, you know, I have them just written down from inflation, which mm -hmm. is, I still think is going to go up until the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to decrease, but it's still probably not going to be great mm -hmm. until the, probably at least third quarter. Then we have, you know, the Fed sucking yep. up the money back in, probably starting June. Mm -hmm. um, then we have potentially, and this is not so much of a worry anymore, but who knows? We have the Rony Rona, yep. potentially. That's another negative catalyst. Um, there's also geopolitical conflict, yep. which I'll say. Yep. Uh, if anyone knows what's going on. And then, you know, supply chain disruptions. Yeah. I feel like those things so, is not something we're going to figure out the answer to. Yeah. And so this is, this is, uh, you know, I, I don't want to harp on a point of not trying to time the market. Right. But, you know, uh, you hear all this and it's like, oh my gosh, is this, this is this. Uh, maybe I should sell out of the market and then try to get back in, you know, in three months, six months, nine months. In March of 2020, I was scared. In April of 2020, I was scared. In May of 2020, I was scared. In June of 2020, I was scared, right? What did I do? I still held my stocks and I still ended up ultimately starting to buy as we went throughout April and into May, right? And the reason was, I was scared, but at the same time, there were stocks trading at really cheap prices. So right now we're in a cycle where everybody's very scared. There's a lot to be scared of, but at the end of the day, if you have the opportunities to buy, whether it's indexes for what you feel is a good price over the next five, 10 years, or individual stocks, You've got to you've got to take that opportunity, even though there's a lot to be scared of. You know, March, uh, you know, 2009, you know, which was a horrible time for the market. There was so much to be scared of. But ultimately, what was the best decision to make? 
buy, buy, buy. And so I think that's the that's the point I want to make to everybody out there is because you got a bunch of scary stuff, you know, you need to ultimately be a buyer. So as long as it's money you can afford, right? And it's not like, oh, I got I need that money in six months. As long as it's money you're putting away for the next three, five, seven years, you got to take advantage of these markets because you don't get corrections or crashes very often. We're on pace for the worst January in the history of January's in the history of the stock market. NASDAQ's already down 13.5%. If we just finish out with a few more I thought it was days. the worst January since 2008. So far, but we're on pace for uh, even a worse than that. Assuming we get like one or two more down days and no big bounce back days, we'll have the worst. NASDAQ down 13.5%. I don't ever remember seeing that. And like easily, with if futures open the way they are today, right? We could end up all of a sudden down 14, 15%. And Apple reports, if, if there's anything worrisome, we just talked about that we could end up with a 17%, 18% NASDAQ down because Apple pulls the whole market down and pulls semiconductor stocks down. Right. Or if they come out and say, look, we beat expectations by 10% and the market's like, well, it's not 30% like it was last year. (laughs) It's like, okay, great. What if they say our our iPhone is going to blow everyone away? You guys just wait and see. Everyone in the U.S. is going to have an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they need Mm -hmm. to do. If they announce, or Apple Crypto. Apple oh, group. wow. Apple NFTs. You're like some, that's all they need to do. You know, it, it's crazy because all of us, I mean, at least you and I, dollar cost average into the market over time. Um, and what makes it n- not hard particularly, but I imagine people that are not invested in the markets as much, not paying attention to news every single day, when they read a big headline from some really respected legendary hedge fund manager be like, oh, it's the super bubble and mm-hmm. it just scares people. And it's like, come on, dude, yeah. why would you do that? And it's like, yeah, it's almost like our job to be like, well, you know, here's what I'm doing and I'm still buying every single day regardless of what's going on. And, and you all, the thing is like, you know, Jeremy Grantham, that's the one you're referring yes, to, super yes. bubble. You know, these guys are always saying these sorts of things. It doesn't mean it's not true or it doesn't mean every it can't happen. Every year since 2015. Yes. But when the markets are going down, it gets so much more publicity because everybody's clicking yes. on it and like, oh my gosh. And so you don't even realize these guys are almost always talking about the same stuff year yeah. after year, but it gets so much publicity when all of a sudden it's like, Do you think you know, they leave those as like breadcrumbs just for like PR sake for their for their hedge funds? It's like, you know, one of these days it's going to land. And when it does, I'm going to look like a genius <laughs> yeah. and people are going to sign up. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately what it comes down to is there's just different style of investors. And so Jeremy Grantham, he's a value investor. Right. So he doesn't see why Tesla should command a, a superior valuation or Amazon or Netflix. He looks at those as like, that's ridiculous. It shouldn't trade at a 30 or a 50 or a Tesla 100. <laughs> yeah, 100 plus uh, forward P. He looks at that and he's like, that's ridiculous, right? And so uh, I think it's just a different look at the market. Then you got the gold bugs which are always negative, right? They're always negative on everything, you know, gold, gold, gold. So, um, and that's kind of more like the, I I think a lot of more of the baby boomer generation may have been the gold. Crypto is interesting because believe it or not, crypto could end up going down that route longer term. So far it's been seen as the the riskier play and uh, the lure of it has been to get the big gains. It's very possible longer term, Bitcoin could, believe it or not, turn into that gold where people are looking at it and they're like, everything's going to crap. Put your money in Bitcoin. I don't know. We'll, we'll so, see. So, that's, a, so, that's a super long term So far, thing. though, it seems like Bitcoin is just very much in line with what the stock market's doing. It's mm-hmm. very correlated. It's yeah. just in more extremes, right? Mm-hmm. It's more volatile, but it's sort of following the stock market, yeah. which is a lot of the reasons why hedge funds don't want to buy it. Because like, dude, if I want to diversify my portfolio, I don't want everything correlated. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to have something that's uncorrelated, which is supposed to be yeah. Bitcoin. And it's not sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see Bitcoin 
It's so weird. I can hear my voice. <laughs> Do you guys hear that? Is, is it bouncing bit? off the it's wall? A, it's Alex's uh, headphone. Whoa. I could hear it. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I feel like Bitcoin will do well. If the stock market does well, I think Bitcoin will do better. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. And uh, and yeah, Ethereum's still a wild card, man. There's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot going on with Ethereum. So... Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Do we keep going down this route? Do you think the market continues to downtrend? Or do you think, we won't even talk about if you think the market's going to go up because I, I think both of you are like, I don't know about that. Do you think the market continues to downtrend? Or do you think we can we have a kangaroo market where we're up, down, but we don't really go anywhere? It's just up, down, all around. I could see around. that. I could see that until the end of the year. Just okay. because of all those catalysts I mentioned that we won't really figure out until the end of the year. We're still scared. When are we going to start tapering? I mean, okay, March. But mm -hmm. when are we going to start to sell off the assets, right? We don't know. How mm -hmm. fast is the Fed going to do it? There's just so many unknowns. Yeah. I could see us trading sideways. Yeah, it's, there's always going to be that next event that people are going to be fearful of. Right now, it's going to be the March uh, what yeah. is it, March 16th? Mm -hmm. uh, are they going to raise it a quarter uh, percent, nothing, half a percent? Yeah. Now it's that that's going to be the freak out. Mm -hmm. Then, the, you know, at that time, it's going to be, oh, July is going to come around. Oh, what are they going to do in July? Right. So I would say uh, there's a 50% chance the market goes up. <laughs> oh, come a 50 on. 50% chance the market goes oh, down. Oh, come on, man. That, and there's a 100% chance I'm buying regardless. And no, there's a 100% <laughs> chance that you are subscribing if you haven't subscribed already and hitting the like button for the youtube algorithm it helps Very us out a lot cool. and actually how about this if you guys enjoy these in-person ones uh even better than the live streams hit the like button subscribe hit the notification bell and then comment down below and let us know and go to ftx.us and go download the app and use code jan no <laughs> and ftjan2022 i think that's it <laughs> yeah there I we go that's it We'll read the comments, so we'll see. If you guys enjoy these episodes, we'll keep doing them. Thank you for watching. Yeah, and also Millennial Money Clips. Uh, we you got to check that channel out <laughs> no, if you haven't no. subscribed over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, what else are we shot? Bankroll Coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, God. Man. With that so, said, you guys, smash the like button. We'll see you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.